So here I am, I'm sitting with a large cup of coffee, a breakfast muffin that my missus has cooked. There's a little bit of snow outside, just a little bit. It is about minus four degrees Celsius, but the studio is warm and cosy. I'm Paul, and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography podcast. Hello one and all, I hope you're doing well. I hope life is treating you as well as can be expected. Uh, So quick update on what's happened in the last couple of weeks. Not much. (laughs) I suspect this is the same story up and down the land and uh, possibly up and down every continent that's been impacted by this dreadful pandemic. Uh, There's not a huge amount going on. Uh, I am still doing some work with the hearing docs. Funnily enough, an email has just come in uh, asking to see uh, the drafts of the images I took on Friday. Funny, isn't it? Uh, When there's nothing going on, there's nothing going on. But when there is something going on, it's still tight deadlines. Uh, That said, it was such a pleasure to be out photographing with those guys. Uh, Tricky, of course, because uh, we're having to stay well within uh, the legal requirements as much as anything else, but also making sure everybody is safe because nobody wants to be the reason that somebody else gets ill. So we uh, did a shoot. It was all done at distance. It was all done outside, but a lot of fun it was. Uh, One small part of it is we did have to go out onto uh, a disused railway Uh, near here uh, that's been turned into a cycleway and a pathway you know that kind of thing they're great for that because of course they're long straight and flat Uh, they're not particularly interesting to be riding or running along because they are long straight and flat Uh, but they are perfect for the job that we had in hand for uh, this charity and one thing I would say to people is everyone's stressed Everyone's finding this hard, but just because you can doesn't mean you have to be rude. Uh, an old lady or an elderly lady had a proper old go at a couple of us, and we weren't doing anything. We were well out of the way. Everything was safe. And she knew as she was walking towards us, she was going to shout about something. And sure enough, uh, she did. Uh, I smiled sweetly and said I hope she had a better rest of her day, uh, which (laughs) got the response you could expect. But I just think it's a shame. There's no reason why we can't all live together and we can't all be civil. Uh, I know... I know she is undoubtedly having a terrible time of it, as are all of us. Uh, but there was no need to be shouted at. Uh, we were well outside of her over two metres, uh, and we were simply doing the job that we were doing. Uh, what have I done today? Oh, written some code. <laughs> it's very geeky, uh, but I have just managed to solve a stupid little problem. Uh, with the stuff we've got here in the studio, when I mark something up in Lightroom as having five stars, when I generate some JPEGs from it, I've written a little bit of code that bungs those files into lots of useful locations uh, using a combination of things, but a Dropbox as well which means I can log in on my phone uh, after about a minute and that file will be available to me no matter where I am. It's really useful uh, for social media and it's useful to keep a track of things. And one of those folders simply keeps the last 100 images that I edited from any part of my portfolio. It's just a useful way of being able to see what I've just done, uh, maybe do something with those images, maybe vlog them, 
uh, maybe use them on social media, etc. Anyway, uh, to keep that 100, it always had to delete the eldest file in the folder to put the new file in. So there's always 100 most recent, or 200, I can change a variable. And the damn thing was deleting the wrong file. It took me about an hour of head scratching this morning to figure out what was going on. Uh, some vagaries of the operating system, ordering things in a random order. and took a little bit of coding, but of course, being a coder, I'm a little bit pleased with myself for fixing it. I'm not a great coder. Uh, I'm surrounded by people who are absolutely fantastic at this stuff, and they would have done that in a heartbeat. In fact, they probably would have spotted it in advance and had it uh, fixed. Uh, that's not for me. Uh, I'm a little bit more uh, try it and try it and try it until it works, which is not not an efficient way to code, but it's still quite useful. Uh, what else have we been doing? Been learning some new 3D software. Uh, primarily, we use it for the room sets, which you can get on masteringportraitphotography.com, uh, but also for our um, studio lighting diagrams. And there's a whole load of those coming down the pike uh, when I eventually get all of this working. But I've switched packages to be able to do it. Uh, so I've had to learn new texturing, new layout techniques, uh, a thing called rigging, which if you're a 3D animator, you'll know about. Essentially, you give uh, the object bones and then you move the bones and it moves things like the softbox around and twists and turns and all those kinds of things. So I've been learning, learning that. I've set myself a goal of getting my head around it before we come out uh, of whatever lockdowns we're in. Uh, the government have been assisting me in that endeavour by constantly moving the deadline out. So it feels like I've constantly got longer and longer to learn this thing. Uh, I tried learning it a few years ago and I could not get my head around it. I could not figure it out. Uh, but this time in the autumn lockdown, I sat down with a notebook and just made an absolute... Uh, decision to my, with myself that I would learn how to do it and I've been taking notes and picking it up and I have this whole big book of notes just like I did when I was doing my PhD. It's really quite satisfying and quite different for me. It's not the world I live in anymore but I've enjoyed that. Uh, what else? Uh, lots of nice walks. <laughs> Myself and Sarah have suddenly found ourselves empty nesters. Uh, Jake's gone back to uni uh, his campus are allowing some people on, so he he went back uh, as soon as he could uh, onto campus, uh, and he's very well by all accounts. So I spoke to him last night, and they were figuring out what they could go sledging on. Uh, students, huh? Uh, and our daughter has moved in with her boyfriend. So suddenly, in the middle, in the middle of a lockdown, myself and Sarah have found have found ourselves empty. Nesters. A little bit of a surprise, if I'm honest. Wasn't expecting that. Uh, I think we're going to be just fine. The great thing about that is, of course, is it means I'm sharing a house with the person I love most in the world. So it's not a problem, but it is a little bit of a surprise. So we're just adjusting to that. Uh, a lot of nice walks around, <laughs> the two of us and the dog. Uh, Sarah bought me some fantastic books for Christmas that just have lists and lists of interesting routes to take your dog. Uh, and the countryside around here is absolutely glorious. So for those of you uh, who may have caught just a little bit of Country File on the BBC on the television last night, so that's Sunday evening, uh, they've featured the Chilterns which is the area in which we live. And it's beautiful. It's beech woods and hills and ancient uh, sort of ancient dwellings and things. It's just a wonderful place to walk. And if you, it's best to use a guidebook or, or ask someone who knows the, the area because a lot of the paths, you would not know. You would not know that you are, what, 35 miles from London as the crow flies. It was just unreal. The walk we took on Saturday 
It's about 13 kilometres, give or take. Uh, so quite a few hours of trundling along. But there was really only one moment when you could have, you would have known that you are really not very far from civilization, uh, and of course with lockdown it means there's no aircraft flying either. So you know we live actually on the flight path to Heathrow, albeit a few miles away, um, but at the moment there's no flights. So it really did feel like we were in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and we, we tripped over uh, the uh, windmill from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Uh, that was a little bit of a surprise. Wasn't expecting to see that, but there it was. So that gives you an idea of the kind of area we're in. So uh, having a ball, honestly, from that point of view, uh, which is really, really nice. Also, and this is a product of now it's me and Sarah in the house alone. I've put up some blinds in the kitchen. <laughs> it's a job that's been wanting for ages. But now the kids are gone, a lot less to think about. Right, I'll get around to that. Uh, it was nice and I did it incredibly accurately. Now, that's not me normally. My When I'm working on images, I'm really well, I'm pixel precise because you have to be. But I'm not normal. I'm too impatient. Yeah, let's just get the damn thing up. Uh, but uh, I think I've been watching too much Repair Shop midweek on the BBC, and it's all very detailed. It's very prosaic. It's very accurate. Everything is quite cathartic. The way they layer up paint, or polish things, or file things, or drill things, very accurate very gentle. And so I decided to have a little moment of zen and I have actually put the blinds up very, very accurately. <laughs> That's a first for me. And we also unfortunately live in a house where not a single line is horizontal and not a single line is vertical. So in spite of the fact that the blinds are exactly where they should be, they still don't fit the holes properly. Uh, slightly honestly this week, I think I've woken up, if I'm being honest, I think I've woken up feeling slightly guilty. I don't really know why, as there isn't really much that I can be getting on with. I mean, I've done the bits that I can do. I'm doing the bits that I can do. Um, but there's not an awful lot to do. And yet somehow I feel like I am underachieving. Maybe I should put out more podcasts. Maybe I should do more image critiques. Maybe I should work on our branding more. I don't know. It just feels like I've got a benchmark somewhere that I can't get out of my head. And I have, if I'm honest, woken up just with this, I don't know, sense of underachievement. On the whole, I wake up like I'm going to achieve something, but then gradually that fades. And when by the evening eventually has ebbed away, <laughs> I get on the exercise bike and simply sweat it out. That does, I have to, I have to say, that does make me feel better, but it doesn't really add to my list of achievements, uh, though I suppose I'm shedding a pound or two and I'm certainly healthier. But there's something in me, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm so used to being massively productive and even then I feel guilty for the things I haven't done. But I'm so used to it that I think this might just be my personal hell um, in spite of the things that I am doing. There's just this underlying sense of, I don't know, Underachievement, I suspect. Uh, I have written a couple of articles, uh, one for N-Photo, which is the unofficial Nikon photo magazine, a brilliant publication. Uh, we've been running a series on turning pro. Those articles will eventually work their way down and onto masteringportraitphotography.com. Uh, we have permission to use them after about six months. So they will all come down. Uh, one by one, they are already uh, appearing on there. And similarly, uh, I'm writing for Professional Photo Magazine, a, a slightly different uh, vibe, that magazine. 
aimed across all manufacturers, but at the professional photo and video industry. Uh, different things on in each. And photo is all about turning pro. Professional photo magazine is all about the things that were going on behind a particular image, where we break down and analyze the shoot, the client, the processing, the post-processing, why we did it, what we did, and all of those kinds of things. Both are wonderful magazines. They're both out there in print. So if you get a chance, uh, please do pick one up. I think Enphoto is international. Uh, I certainly think it's got a big readership in Italy, judging by the emails I get from our Italian friends. Uh, I think it's syndicated out there, or it's uh, translated out there. Uh, Professional Photo, I think, is UK, uh, but both are wonderful magazines, and it's a proper privilege to be... Uh, a contributor to both of those. Uh, so do, if you see them, uh, please look them up. Uh, tomorrow we have day two of two of judging for the SWPP, the end of year monthly. So during the year, as I'm sure if you're an SWPP member, you know, uh, there is an online image competition, lots of categories, one once a month it's judged And at the end of the year, uh, the overall positions are judged from the images that did well during that year. uh, Some prizes will be awarded. Of course, the societies, the SWPP, the societies um, convention was cancelled or postponed um, to next year. Now it's not going to happen this year. And usually there'd be a big award ceremony and we'd all be getting together in a room and it would be, you know, just wonderful. Uh, this year, <laughs> Zoom. It's on Zoom. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that it's a, both a privilege and a pleasure to judge these images. Of course, these are the images that have already done well. They're the images of one gold or at the very top of the highly commended. And so by the time we get to see them on our screens, we know we're looking at the most beautiful, beautiful images. So uh, really enjoying that. Tomorrow is the second day of two uh, and I'm sure the results will be out. Uh, I think they're coming out in March actually. I think it's a little bit later. Anyway, this week's head scratch is a question for me really, which is does the Nikon Z or Z, if you're American, 7 Mark II look promising enough to dive into the world of mirrorless? Mirrorless is coming there's no doubt about that uh, eventually will be shutterless too because all of the mechanical components of a camera are the bits that fail my wonderful nikon d5 uh, with the last repair i had done they said i now need to have the shutter mechanism replaced because it's gone past its minimum time to failure i've talked about this before uh, and that's a little bit of a headache in that i don't really know where to jump because i can see that mirrorless is the future. I'm not sure that I want to commit to the Nikon D6 just yet. Beautiful camera though it is. Uh, The resolution is still 20 megapixel. Yes, they fine-tune the focusing. Yes, it is, to me at least, the most beautiful handling camera because it's based, it's an evolution of the D5. Uh, But, uh, you know, over £6,000 when I know in the end it's a piece of technology that's becoming obsolete. Is it now time to look at switching to mirrorless, to the Z series? Because, of course, they use a slightly different lens fitting, although there are adapters for my current lenses. Um, Do I really want to commit? Because I do have to replace a couple of my uh, current lenses that have finally come to the end of their life um, after probably 15 years of battering. (laughs) I've always said the same thing, buy lenses, not cameras. But the problem now is that given there's no question that we're going to move to mirrorless, I don't really know whether I want to invest 
in new lenses, my existing D5, or and then obviously I'd be moving to the D6, um, or whether it's really time to think seriously about the Z or Z7 II. Uh, the thing that was holding me back initially was the fact that it only had a single memory card slot on it, which there's no way as a professional you can have a single memory card slot. <laughs> Not a chance. That's just ridiculous. Uh, you've got to have two memory slots so that should one fail, you've always got a backup. So uh, that's my conundrum. I'm sort of scratching my head on it. Uh, if you have any views, would love to hear them. If I do jump, of course, I will keep you posted as to how I find it. Uh, right, so anyway, that's an update. <laughs> well, more or less, it's a brain dump. Does it feel like I haven't had anybody to talk to for a while? I think it might feel like that, judging by uh, the fact I just want to talk to someone, and you are that person. <laughs> You're out there. I'm going to talk. I'm assuming you're listening. You don't really get a chance to answer back or tell me uh, I've got things wrong on a podcast. It's not really a two-way conversation. Uh, incidentally, thank you to everyone who listened uh, to the wonderful podcast with Trevor uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so far, that is the highest listening figures we've had for any single episode of the podcast. Clearly, uh, the idea of being mindful, the idea of being present, the idea of finding ways to stay positive uh, was a good topic. Uh, so thank you to everyone who has listened and enjoyed that one. Uh, hoping to do more interviews that way. Uh, it seemed like the software did work pretty well, so uh, we're going to be doing a few more of those. Uh, right, anyway, this week's topic. And this is, I guess, in response to a comment I saw on one of... I can't remember, it was on Facebook, I think. I don't know where I saw it. And I don't even remember what the response was to, but the comment was, broadly speaking... Well, if they took a few, if they took fewer pictures, they wouldn't have so much editing to do. I think it might have been in response to an advert. Is it, is it Kodak? Is it Kodak? One of the manufacturers has released an online service where you upload all of the images from a shoot, and it sends you back the ones that it thinks you should use. Uh, so basically, it does the editing for you. And I think there was a comment that said, well, if you took fewer pictures, you wouldn't need this service, would you? <laughs> and it really annoyed me. It annoyed me because I think you can shoot how the fuck you want to. Forgive my French. I think you should be able to shoot how you want to. Why on earth? Why on earth should it matter how you do something or how many times you attempt it? It doesn't matter. And it, this comment really annoyed me because it's something that harks back to a snobbishness in our industry that I think we should shed. I don't think it's healthy. This idea that, oh, my God, I, I did this shot in just one take. Who cares? I mean, it gives you a bragging, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's a nice story, but it doesn't change the image in any way, shape or form. Now, I know in the days of film... So I've come from film. I know it was expensive. And so we all had it beaten into us, if not by somebody who was training us or someone we we're learning from, but certainly by someone who might have been paying for the film. Just take the picture you want. Wasn't it Henri Cartier-Bresson talked about the defining moment? Yes, but it doesn't mean you can't press the button when it isn't. And it really irritates me when I see this sort of pseudo snobbishness in the industry. We don't need it. You never hear people moaning when somebody scores a goal, for instance, that they took three attempts to score it. As long as they scored it, great. 
you know, it'd be nice if the others went in, but doesn't really matter. As long as they have overall the highest actual score, that's what matters. Similarly with writers who make tons of drafts of the novel or book or whatever it is they're writing. Who cares? Who cares if it took 10 times to write that chapter? It doesn't make any difference to me. I'm enjoying the words I'm seeing on the page. And of course, painters. Painters, and this is closer to our industry, doing tests. Very often test runs underneath the painting that you're looking at. The Mona Lisa, uh, or is it the, um, there's the picture of the, is it the Virgin Mary from Da Vinci when they x-rayed it and found tons of sketches and different ideas all in the paint underneath the finished article. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I don't get why people think it's necessary to judge how somebody gets to it, how, why they judge something that has little or no impact on the final image. If you like taking a single shot, great. If that's your shtick, if you just want to press that button just once and know you've got it, good for you. I wish I could do it. I can't. I batter away. I sketch with the camera. Um, when I was an industrial designer, I sketched with a notebook. Now I have a camera, I sketch with a camera. It's the same thing for me. I try different ideas out. I'm just going to go for it. If you like shooting as if it was video and then you just, or even it, you're actually shooting video and extracting one frame, it's equally valid. It makes no difference. You've got some technical constraints in there, but there is going to be a point where we're going to shoot raw files, raw footage, at 60 frames a second. That is coming. If you like to shoot in small bursts, well, who am I to say otherwise? And I think I think it's a shame that we still have these sort of strong views in the industry. And it's not just about that. I mean, one question I get asked quite a lot uh, when I'm doing seminars and things, and this, this is a camera club style question, a hand will shoot up. And the question will be, um, excuse me, do you think that Photoshop is cheating. Now this comes up regularly and I love it because it gives you a chance to answer. And of course the cheating with a camera, well it starts with your lens choice. It starts with whether you use a wide or a long lens. If you use a long lens you're going to flatten the perspective, you're going to change the features. Things like uh, the ears kind of come round the side of the face slightly because to fit the face in, you're going to be stood further back. Your viewpoint is changing. If you use a wide lens, well, you have to get a bit closer in with that if you're doing portraits, so the nose will get bigger, right? Or whatever is sticking closer to the lens, it will have a disproportionate uh, enlargement due to that, the closeness, your proximity. Then there's the lighting you choose. Are you going to choose to light the whole face or the whole body? Or are you going to use shadows to put some of it out of the way, narrowing it down. What about your viewpoint? Are you going to look from the top, which makes the eyes bigger and diminishes the body? Or are you going to drop that camera angle slower, slightly lower, which makes someone taller? And what are you going to hide? Which bits of the body? Which bits of the face? Um, how are you going to decide what you show and what you don't show? Of course, in the old days, your film choice made a huge difference. Nowadays, when we go up and down the ISOs of sensitivity, basically what we're talking about is, is it going to get a little bit more grainy? I'm going to lose some of the definition. But in the old days, if you went from ISO 100, particularly in black and white, to ISO, let's say, 1600, my favourite, man, the grain was the grain in it had the size of a dinner plate. <laughs> it was huge. And of course, you can get contrasty films, soft films, 
smooth gradations or chunky S-curves. You know, these are all decisions. These were all ways of manipulating the image. And of course, it didn't stop there. What if you put a filter on the lens, particularly if you're using black and white? What if you put a red filter or a green filter or blue filter if you really wanted to make someone look kind of suntanned? Um, what about putting Vaseline on the lens? All of those old tricks, taking a, an old stocking and cutting a hole in it and putting it over the top. Yeah, you know, these are all effects that all sort of forms of cheating. And of course, once you got into the dark room, you could continue that with the way you developed, whether you added contrast in there, your paper choice, the bleaching, everything. And finally, of course, how you crop it and what you live in, what you leave in the image, what you take out of the image. None of this has changed. All of this, all of this is in some form cheating. But of course, that is nothing compared to what the great classic oil artists did like da Vinci. They really weren't painting reality. Every single painting is a synthesis of realism and fantasy. Their methods now fascinate us because it gives us an insight into how they thought, but at no time does anyone say, I like that painting more because he only painted it once. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It has no reason. I do not understand why people get hung up on the how and not the what. I simply don't get it. There is a caveat to that, of course, uh, the only time you really have to be careful with your methodology, particularly around things like post-production, is if you're a press or documentary photographer. So don't think for a minute I'm saying that if you're a press photographer, you can use post-production. Uh, you can't. There are some quite strict rules about that now, about what you can and can't do. But even then, it doesn't matter if you take a thousand shots to get that one. That one is what's important. And if you have ever worked, and I have done this a few times, worked in a press situation with other press photographers, that sound of five or six photographers just holding down the fast repeat on a camera is really loud. It's really quite disconcerting. Someone like me, for instance, used to work in a wedding where part of my job is to stay really quiet as best I can. <laughs> I'm not a quiet person. So for me, it takes concentration to be quiet. Uh, if you're in a press situation, though, every time a politician opens their mouth, every time they turn, then of course, that's because that's what they're being paid for. And in the end, as a pro photographer, this is what we're being paid for. I'm being paid to create the picture. The what I'm being paid for. The how, not so much. There really is only one truism in photography. If you haven't pressed the shutter release, then you haven't taken the picture. If you do press the shutter release, well, you still might not have the picture. It doesn't mean that every time you press the button, it's going to be a great picture. But if you ain't pressed it, you ain't got it. And when you're pro, that is the most important thing of all. I'm producing a product. I'm manufacturing a product that I can sell. Now, obviously, if I just stand in front of my client with my finger on the fast shutter repeat, that's not a particularly interesting way of doing it for them or me. And of course, there is a real cost. There's a real cost. As I said at the beginning, Nikon have written to me to tell me that my, my D5 shutter mechanism uh, now needs replacing because it's gone over its minimum time to failure. And if I only ever hit the button once each time, I could have saved that. I could have taken far fewer pictures and I could have, oh, I would not have to get the unit replaced, probably, anyway. Um, but even though I actually don't shoot that many, I don't shoot a motorwind at all unless I'm shooting running animals, uh, but I do shoot either side of the image. Um, I Very often, for instance, I will pose someone, make them laugh, and I will take the picture 
afterwards. Um, I like those pictures. I like the informal, but sometimes I have to take three or four or five to get the exact moment I want. That's just my method methodology. And I don't think it's for someone else to judge. When I'm doing image critiques on mastering portrait photography, I don't even know unless somebody tells me that they took 12 pictures to get there. I have no way of knowing and nor do I care. All that matters is the final image, how you feel about it, how your clients feel about it, not how others feel about the way that you got there. Anyway, <laughs> this, this podcast comes from the School of Ranty Podcasts. Sorry about that. I uh, felt like I had to get it off my chest. It really just, with everything going on, it just seems unnecessary to see those kinds of things. It was a backhand comment. I don't think it was meant particularly in any, I don't think it was meant in a nasty way particularly, but I think it's something that is still pervasive in this industry. And I just had to get that off my chest. And so there we are. That's my view for this particular episode, episode 93. Uh, if you have any topics you want to talk about, uh, maybe come on to the, now I've got the remote uh, interviewing system sort of working, uh, then feel free, email me and maybe we'll include you on a list to come on and have a chat. Uh, if you have any ideas of people I could talk to, again, just email me. You can always, always get hold of me at paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. That's paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. I know we have Facebook and we have Instagram and a million other channels, but that is the route to get hold of me. So until next time, I hope all is well. I hope you're safe. And remember, whatever else, be kind to yourselves. Take care.